0: Dress: The History of Fashion is a production of iHeartRadio. With over 7 billion people in the world, we all have one thing in common. Every day, we all get dressed.
1: Welcome to Dress: The History of Fashion, a podcast that explores the who, what, when, of why we wear. We are fashion historians and your hosts, Cassidy Zachary and
0: April Callahan. Dress listeners, some of you might want to go ahead and pull out a pen and paper for today's episode because we have received so many requests from you all about book recommendations. And usually when this happens, we refer our listeners back to one of our earliest fashion history mysteries back in February of 2019 when we discussed some of our favorite fashion books. However, we thought that it's perhaps time for a little bit of a refresh on that list. And this time, thematically, it's going to be a little bit of a twist.
1: Yeah, because today we are going to provide some recommendations for perhaps the ultimate primary source in autobiography. But of course, as we do on Dress, these all have been written by some of fashion's greats. And we do want to say that our recommendations today are in no way, of course, comprehensive in terms of who has and has not written an autobiography or a memoir because of the copious number of fashion memoirs out there. So we've limited our list to fashion designers, editors, and a few fashion photographers.
0: Yes, and and there is a lot more out there to say, especially if you wanna throw in the modeling and beauty industries so many more memoirs and autobiographies from that industry. And we're actually not going to delve into that today. So maybe that's a different recommendation list for a different day. And Cass, as you know, a couple of the books on today's list have been mentioned in past episodes of Dressed. But we also know that not all of our listeners have listened to each and every episode. So today's episode is a sort of nice, neat little compendium of book wrecks, all in one place with lots of new things added. And I just want to state for the record that even Cass and I haven't read a few of these. They they have been sitting on our reading wish list for a little bit of time, and we will get to them eventually because, you know, there's just so much fashion history and so
1: little time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Cass, are you ready? What is your first recommendation?
1: Well, my first recommendation actually goes All the way back to one of our very first episodes. I think it's like our fourth episode ever. And to the very first day we recorded dressed in the studio back in 2017.
0: Yes, that day was also the very first time we cried in the studio, if I recall (laughs) correctly.
1: (laughs) And that's because our first book is a tearjerker. I mean, it's actually incredibly hard to read at certain points. And that's because it's the autobiography of Elizabeth Keckley entitled Behind the Scenes, 30 Years a Slave and Four Years in the White House. And this book was published in 1868. And the book details Elizabeth's life growing up enslaved, developing her talent for dressmaking. And this eventually led to her being able to buy her and her son's freedom. She was so prolific. She's actually considered to be the first Black fashion designer in America. And that's because she moved to Washington, D.C., which placed Keckley in the orbit of the wise of many politicians. And she ended up becoming the dressmaker and personal designer to Mary Todd Lincoln, the first lady of the United States. And they were actually really, really good friends. And she talks about that in the book. It's just an incredibly and inspiring story at times, full of heartbreak, but also triumph and highly, highly recommend.
0: Yes. And might I also mention, you can get this for free, friends, because due to the date of publication, it's in the public domain, and it has been digitized by the Documenting the American South Initiative, which is held at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. So you could just do a simple search for the title of the book, which is, again, behind the scenes, 30 Years a Slave and Four Years in the White House. And that link at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill will come right up. Okay. So, we have a lot more recommendations for you. And I think to organize them, we should just kind of proceed in order of date of publication, which means that we are going to fast forward to the 1930s and discuss a trio of autobiographies by perhaps Cass's all time favorite fashion designer, Paul Pauret. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in 1930, he released his first memoir, which in French is En Avion de d'Epoque, which is in English more or less translates to dressing my time or dressing my era. And this particular volume deals with his childhood, his rise to fame, first working as a junior designer at the houses of Doucet and Worth. Then he Details of the luxury and excess at the turn of the 20th century. He opines on many of his fashion innovations that happened during the 19 teens. He talks about his time serving in World War I and his many collaborations and friendships with modern artists of the day. And the book was published in English the following year under a different title, uh, My First 50 Years. And Cass, as you know, this is actually quite common when a book is published in another language that the title is completely changed. And we also see this a lot when a book is reissued at a much later date. So sometimes if you're getting an older copy of something or a newer copy of something, they might have different titles.
1: Yeah. And actually, it's worth mentioning, too, that there's a more recent publication by the VA that's called King of Fashion. And that'll probably be the actual volume that you can afford to get your hands on. Yeah, it's, <laughs> so, it's readily available. You can just yeah. order it. <laughs> the other one is a little more rare, as are his two subsequent titles, Ravennae, translating loosely to Remembrances or Reminiscence, um, which was published in 1931. And that's followed by Art E. Guidance in 1934. And as far as we have ever been able to tell, neither of these have ever been translated from French. And Artie fin- Finance or Art and Finance is incredibly rare. Although I think you do have a copy, April.
0: I do. It's it's sitting behind me on my bookshelf now. Although I, I am a little embarrassed to admit that I haven't completely and fully read it. I've done a little bit of skimming here and there, and basically it details. Pare's business relationships and ultimately the demise of his couture house for several reasons. But a big part of that was Pare's wild penchant for spending money.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, he's terrible with money.
0: He's terrible, <laughs> terrible. He was not the frugal sort at all. So, of course, we have already done an episode on Pare. So, if you want to learn more about him, you can tune back into that. He's quite fascinating and fabulous. Indeed,
1: he is. <laughs> Our next recommendation was also published in the 1930s, and this was by a designer who, like Paré, was not afraid to shy away from a little or a lot of self-promotion. This is true also a rival, it could be said, of Poirier. Mm-hmm. Uh, originally published as Discretions and Indiscretions in 1932 and re-released in 2012 as a woman of temperament is the autobiography of the one, the only, Lucille Lady Duff Gordon, who was an English couturier whose success allowed her to later expand her operations to Paris and the United States. She was known for her delicate and diaphanous creations. She also designed dainty lingerie to Wear beneath and she was one of the first designers to create a separate shop for her unmentionables within her couture house. She's also quite revolutionary in in designing one of the first designer ready to wear lines, and she's just kind of really fun to read. I like hearing her voice, and she's ever the provocateur. And Lucille also designed stage costumes for the Ziegfeld Follies, where several of her house models went on to great fame. And you can learn more about that actually in our I believe third episode ever, which is Birth of the Modern. We have a huge section on Lucille, so check it out.
0: Yeah, and it's not entirely about Lucille, but it's about that era, and and she's one of the designers that we feature. Much like my next set of recommendations, we have already done an episode on the fashion designer and writer Elizabeth Hawes. We know that several of our listeners have already ordered her very first book, Fashionist Spinach, because you tag us on Instagram when it arrives, which is (laughs) wonderful. Thank you, guys. We love that. Keep doing it. And Fashionist Spinach was originally published in 1938, And it's this really acerbic takedown of the fashion system. And it's written in Haas's signature wit. She's hysterical and sarcastic and very, very smart. And she writes in that same kind of style with her remaining books, Men Can Take It from 1939, Why Is a Dress from 1942, Why Women Cry or Wenches with Wrenches from 1943, which might be the best title of a book ever. (laughs) Her next book is entitled Anything But Love in 1948. In 1951, she published But Say It Politely. And her final book, or at least in my estimation, is called It's Still Spinach in 1954. (laughs) So fashion is
1: still spinach. (laughs) Not much much has
0: changed. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And, you know, all of these aren't strictly biographical, but there's this thing that Haas does with how she writes where she interweaves her life into these explorations of not only fashion, but also gender, labor, and race relations, and she was an incredibly prolific writer who also contributed columns to numerous magazines and newspapers and one of the reasons for this is she was one of the first American fashion designers to become somewhat of a household name so people were constantly seeking out her opinion and when i said just now that i think those are her books in my estimation the reason i said that is because she may have also written another very very small book called good grooming in 1942 but reading it, it is so wildly different in writing style from everything else that she's ever written. I'm kind of wondering if it was perhaps a different Elizabeth Hawes who wrote that. So I need to look into that more a little bit.
1: What's next, Cassie? Well, for any of our listeners who are either milliners or fans of millinery, we recommend Talking Through My Hats, which was published in 1946. This was written by Lily Dashay, who's considered one of the great American milliners. And it details her childhood and her millinery training in France and how after coming to the U.S. to live with relatives, she built her business in New York City starting in the 1920s. Ultimately, she became one of the most famous milliners of the subsequent decades, and she expanded her offerings into clothing and other accessories after World War II. She had her own signature scent and cosmetic line. Uh, Her story has been called a rags-to-riches tale and is ultimately also the tale of a very successful American businesswoman. So check it out.
0: Yeah, born in France, but considered a quote-unquote American designer because that's where she worked. Another woman who was wildly successful in business wrote our next recommendation, Shocking Life, which was published in 1954, and we are, of course, talking about one of my all-time favorite fashion designers, Elsa Schiaparelli. She didn't come into working in fashion until a little bit later in life when she was in her 30s, and it was really at the suggestion by none other than Paul Prairie because they were friends. And Shocking Life relates the story of her life growing up in Italy originally, moving to America with her philandering husband, and the struggles of being a single mother to her daughter, Gogo, who contracted polio. In 1922, the pair moved to Paris, and it was there that Elsa blossomed befriending the fashion and art set. And by the 1930s, she was considered one of the most successful couturiers on the Rue de la Paix. And you can learn more on her by returning to our episode on Scapparelli as well as a separate episode on the history of the Rue de la Paix, which is, of course, the epicenter of haute couture during the 19th and very, very early 20th centuries.
1: Yeah, and in those episodes, you'll learn that the couture house today occupies um, her couture house that she moved to in the 1930s, so it's so cool that that lineage still exists today. hmm which is in the Place Vendome, just right around the corner. Yes, yes, yes. And next up, we have English criteria Norman Hartnell, who penned our next recommendation, Silver and Gold, which was published in 1955. April, I have actually not read this memoir. Have you?
0: I cannot say that I have either, But I'm sure it's quite fascinating, given the fact that Hartnell was a favorite couturier to the English royal
1: family. Yes, absolutely. So check it out if that's something that piques your interest. Um, And actually, the following year, and only a year before his premature death, our next recommendation was authored by Christian Dior, released in 1956 in French. Christian Dior, et moi, was later translated to English and entitled Dior by Dior. And don't worry, dress listeners, you can still get your hands on a copy as it was republished published again in 2007 by the Victoria and Albert Museum. And it's just a wondrous and charming read. We can't say enough about being engrossed in the world of young Christian. He really takes us on a journey, him growing up in Normandy, his obsession with the gardens and flowers tended by his mother, we learn about his history, which gives us very interesting insight into the aesthetics of the House of Dior, which are still very much present in Dior's creations to this very day. And we also quite recently touched on this in our episodes on Christiane's sister Catherine, or Catherine and their relationship when we were joined by Justine Picardy, who authored the book Miss Dior, A Story of Courage and Couture.
0: Next up, one of my all-time favorite fashion autobiographies, and this might be lesser known to even some of our fashion historian listeners out there, and that is In My Fashion by Bettina Ballard. It was published in 1960, and Ballard writes about her time working not as a fashion designer, but as an editor for Vogue during the 1940s and 50s, and she has really amazing insights into the history of American fashion, and it's also its relationship to European couture. She has tons of fun stories about the designers and photographers individually and all these other key players during that sort of golden age of haute couture. And I personally find myself returning time and time again to this book when I'm working on something about a specific designer from those eras, because more often than not, Ballard has something to say about them. And another fun fact is, This is available on Kindle, which allows you to keyword search things you are looking for. So if you're looking for something on, you know, Balenciaga, you can just kind of like type that into the book and it will highlight and pop up all of her references to that particular designer,
1: which I love. Yeah, I actually love that book. It's one of my all-time favorites too. It's just such a fun and easy read. And she talks so, so many like behind the scenes insights into that era, I think. That's the memoir, right? Where she talks about reserving limousines each for these eight, one. Haute couture dress got its own limousine yeah. because that's how big.
0: <laughs> yeah, and no, and no one was
1: wearing the dress. It was just the dress. Just the dress, just to deliver the dress safely to its destination. <laughs> The 1960s seems to have been quite the year for lady power players in the fashion industry releasing their memoirs because this is also the year that Jeanette Spandier published It Isn't All Mink. (laughs) Spanier is best known as the talented and spirited directrice of the House of Balmain, where she started in 1947. But only a few years prior, Spanier and her husband, who were both Jewish, had repeatedly risked their lives assisting and caring for fellow French citizens suffering under the Nazi occupation, and both husband and wife won awards from the French government for their wartime bravery, and it wouldn't be until after the war that Jeanette's formidable career in fashion began. And she tells more of her story in her second autobiography, and now it's Sables, which is published in 1970.
0: Love, love, love. Okay, we are eking our way into the 1970s cast when Gloria Vanderbilt released her first book, Woman to Woman, in 1979. And I have only perused this one um, on the shelf, but basically it has a lot of details on her thoughts, on her design perspectives, and also her own tumultuous life growing up as an heiress in one of America's most wealthy families. Vanderbilt is, of course, known as one of the first designers to really kind of launch designer denim, and her blue jeans were insanely popular in the 1970s and the 1980s, and rather expensive for the time as well. But Vanderbilt followed up on that book with a second autobiography, Once Upon a Time, A True Story, in 1985. And just another fun aside fact that some of our listeners might not know, Cass, did you know that Vanderbilt's son is the noted American journalist Anderson Cooper?
1: I did know that, actually. And she only recently just passed away, and he did, like, a really Mm -hmm. moving tribute. He's done a couple of really moving tributes to his mother, Yes. Um it was in 1983 that legendary designer Barbara Hulanicki, past dress guest, released her memoir from A to Biba, which details her life and building one of the hippest fashion brands of the 60s and 70s, growing from a mail-order dress business to a full-blown multi-level department store in the matter of just a few years. And the story of Biba has also been the subject, as I just mentioned, of an episode on Dressed where we were joined by none other than Barbara herself. Um, That was such a fun episode. And her autobiography is wonderfully detailed. It covers so much more of the story than we were able to tell on the show. So we highly recommend picking up a copy. And of course, the Victoria in Albert Museum, which we are indebted to for republishing so many of these memoirs, republished from a to Biba in 2018. So it is readily available for purchase.
0: Mm-hmm. And I picked up my copy while we were in Paris last summer. As you know, Cass, at the Alaya Foundation, where they have an amazing fashion bookstore. Lots of treasures in there. So if anyone happens to be in Paris anytime soon and wants to go to a very niche fashion, fashion history bookstore, head on over to the Alaya Foundation and also check out their whatever exhibition they have up. Okay. Also in 1984, one of the most entertaining fashion autobiographies was Gifted to the World by Diana Vreeland. Called DV, the book details her career as a fashion editor at Harper's Bazaar, and later as the legendary editor-in-chief of American Vogue. And just a bit about Freeland, she was a, a ballerina turned socialite, and then as a fashion editor later, she was known to be exceptionally creative, exceptionally imperious, comical. And also, let's just say that perhaps the book might include some exaggerations, which which she was known to be prone to. Is
1: this the one that starts with that episode with Jack Nicholson? Or is that another? Oh. I know she has a couple different books that she's written. But let's just say yeah, there's yeah, some yeah. really funny anecdotes, um, and she yeah. recounts some hilarious experiences in her life in these memoirs.
0: Yes, everyone needs to read it. There's lots of insights into the history of American fashion magazines and also Freeland's own very unique contributions to the industry. Dress listeners, we often refer to ourselves on the show as dress detectives, but what if we told you that you could travel back in time and solve your own fashionable
1: mysteries? So join us, dress listeners, in putting on your detective hats and escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android.
0: Cass, as you know, we are going to be expanding our fashion history travel offerings this year. Mm -hmm. So you better bet that I'm going to be brushing up on my language skills with Rosetta Stone.
1: Also published in 1984 is the autobiography of Hardy Amies, another English couturier who was only one of three official designers to the Queen Elizabeth II. Another being his, of course, contemporary Norman Hartnell, who we've mentioned. And April, I don't think we've actually ever talked about Hardy Amies on the show before. Can you recall? I don't know.
0: I don't think so. And if we have, it was probably just a very passing mention. I actually don't know a terrible lot about him, so I should pick up a copy of his book, Still Here, an autobiography. And perhaps we should do an episode, a joint episode on Hartnell and Amy's and their work with the royal family later this season. We do know that several of you have already requested an episode on Norman Hartnell, so stay tuned.
1: And I actually also have a recommendation from the 80s, and that would be In My Own Fashion by Oleg Cassini, who's a little bit more of an obscure designer today. But like Hartnell and Amy's, who are dressing English royalty, Cassini rose to fame in part for dressing an American quote-unquote royal. And of course, that would be none other than First Lady Jacqueline Kennedy. And his life up until that time is also rather fascinating. Not only was he a Russian count by birth, April, which is so fascinating. Mm -hmm. He studied painting under the noted artist, Giorgio de Chirico, and apparently was involved in a duel of some sort shortly before he came to America in the 30s. And and it was in America where he became a Hollywood costume designer for Paramount Pictures. And quite the life, I must say, and you can learn more by reading In My Own Fashion, which was published in 1987.
0: Moving into the 1990s, we also have the release in 1993 of Richard Avedon's autobiography, which is entitled An Autobiography. <laughs> and I'm sure many of our listeners know that Avedon is one of fashion photography's greats. So I am a bit shame to admit that I also have not read this one yet. We have mentioned Avedon in episodes of of the show, specifically the one that you did cast on the history of fashion photography, but perhaps a more in-depth look into his life and career is warranted. If you would like for us to do an episode on him, dress listeners, just let us know. And also likewise with fashion photographer Helmut Newton, who
1: released his autobiography
0: simply entitled Autobiography in 2002.
1: So back to the 1990s, briefly, we also see the release of Grace Mirabella's autobiography, In and Out of Vogue, and that came out in 1995. And Grace served under Diana Vreeland for a period before being tapped as editor-in-chief after Vreeland was dismissed. Uh, Mirabella's 17-year tenure at Vogue is often overshadowed by Vreeland and her outrageous antics, but Mirabella is frequently attributed with more closely embracing American designers and pragmatically changing the direction of the magazine to focus on the modern, you know, woman, a move which exponentially increased Vogue's circulation and profits at this time.
0: Yes. She wasn't as flashy as an editor as Vreeland, but she was stable and she was a good businesswoman, basically. Okay. Speaking of American designers, the first couple of decades of the 2000s, we see quite a few releases by the biggest names in American fashion. Andre Leon Talley released his memoir, his first memoir called Alt, a memoir, in 2003. And regular listeners may recall that we spoke about Talley shortly after his death earlier this year and referenced this memoir as well his second autobiography, The Chiffon Trenches, which was published in 2021.
1: Yeah, and I haven't read ALT, his first memoir, but the Siobhan Trenches, literally, you'll read it in like two days. You can't really put it down. It's really good. <laughs> Arnold Skozzi also published his memoir in the early 2000s when he released Women I Have Dressed and Undressed, which detailed his life growing up in Canada and then how he came to the U.S. and changed his name from Arnold Isaacs to Arnold Skozzi by reversing the spelling of his last name. And this move was intended to apparently obscure his Jewish heritage due to still lingering anti-Semitism in the fashion industry and beyond. And Skozzi would go on to dress legions of high-profile women and was a favorite of more than one First Lady of the U.S. And actually, you, April, just talked about it on your Oscar episode because he designed that incredibly see-through ensemble for Barbra Streisand for the Oscars. One of the most memorable moments in Oscar fashion history. (laughs)
0: And we have Skazzi's archive at FIT in Special Collections, so there's that. More American fashion coming in hot, friends, in the next few years with autobiographical releases from Bill Blass in 2002. Uh, the title of that volume is Bear Blass, which is a very cute kind of tongue-in-cheek turn on his name. Also, the simply titled Grace, a memoir from fashion model turned Vogue creative director Grace Coddington. And again, Cass, I have to fess up that I have not read either of these either, but that is only yet that they are on the pending list.
1: Yes. And actually, Grace, of course, is British, but is one of the powerhouses at Vogue, American Vogue magazine with Anna Wintour. And I have read that one, and I highly, highly recommend it. Again, (laughs) I mean, you can just eat these, all of these memoirs up. They're just so easy and fun to read um, and so much insight into, you know, that behind the scenes tidbits that we all want to know about. (laughs) Um, We also have some releases by contemporary designers. Many of our listeners will already be familiar with, and that is Diane. And Von Furstenberg, who published The Woman I Wanted to Be in 2014. And then, of course, Isaac Mizrahi's I Am came out in 2019 as did Dapper Dan's Made in Harlem, a memoir.
0: And I am still gunning to get Dap on the show one day, Cass. So maybe we we should save his story for a different day. But if you personally can't wait, dress listeners, Dapper Dan's memoir is absolutely captivating. It's one of my very favorite fashion books that I've read in a long time. So highly, highly, highly recommend that. Oh, and also, he just did a collaboration with Gap that sold out in like a matter of minutes, and. I snagged one of the DAP sweatshirts, so. <laughs> instead of GAP, it's DAP. Um, yeah, so I'm very excited. Apparently they're not arriving till the summertime, so. Yes, you will see that on my Instagram next fall. Okay, most recently, both Betsy Johnson and Norma Kamali have released their autobiographies, Betsy is just called Betsy, A Memoir, and Norma's is entitled Norma Kamali, I Am Invincible. And we were so pleased that Norma actually joined us last year to chat with us upon the release of the book. So you can check out that two-part episode with her. Of course, she is another of American fashion's living legend. And I still have Norma pieces that I bought like more than 15 years ago that I still wear. And in fact, I wore one of them just last week.
1: And that brings us up to the present day, which I think means does it for us today, dress listeners. I'm not really sure if there's any impending memoirs that are yet to come out, but we will let you know when they do. That does it for us today, dress listeners. May you consider how your wardrobe figures into your own autobiography next time you get dressed. Dress listeners, we expect that some of your stacks of books on your nightstand for bedtime reading will be growing in the near future thanks to this episode. And if so, please send us a pic and tag us on Instagram at dress underscore podcast, which is where we post images accompanying each week's episode. And we're also going to do a post about these books so you have them if you want to purchase them. And we always love hearing from you so you can DM us there or also shoot us an email on Dress at iheartmedia.com. Thank you, as
0: always, to our producers, Casey Pegram, Holly Fry, and everyone else at iHeartRadio that makes the show possible each and every week. We will catch you next Tuesday with more Dressed. Dressed, the history of fashion, is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to your favorite shows.